So um, we'll have sign-ups for that coming up probably next week. And so with those things, we're going to now turn our attention to God's Word. If you turn to Second Timothy, the third chapter, I hope this morning to finish the chapter. As I was studying, it was like, well, we could make a complete study out of that verse and a complete study out of that verse and a complete study out of that verse. So we'll see what the Lord does this morning. But this morning, a study that I've entitled, Follow Me. Probably nowhere is this principle more visible for most of us than our roles as parents. Like it or not, for better or for worse, for better or for worse, what we do as parents is modeled by our children. How we act, what we say, how we present ourselves, carry ourselves, the mores that we specifically have, uh, the things that we allow in our home, all of those things are modeled for good or for bad by our children. I had a guy talk to me a, a couple of weeks ago at, out at the camp, and my son Austin was not too terribly far away, and at some point in time, I guess we had both walked across the same parking lot, the same direction, and he actually said to me, he says, you realize your son actually walks like you? And I thought, the poor guy. Yeah, our children model the way we live. Our children model what we say. And so here, Timothy is receiving instruction from his spiritual father, Paul. And Paul is going to remind Timothy now to pass along this legacy. Can it be said of you, can it be said of me, that if someone were to follow closely our example, that they would be following Christ? Can someone look at your life and all of its assets and aspects, all of the directions, all of the things that you speak, the way that you carry yourself, as this passage reminds us, our very manner of living, does that speak the name of Jesus? When you talk to your children, do they receive from the Lord? When you speak to your spouse, your husband, your wife, are they hearing the voice of a precious Savior? When you engage in your community, are they getting a vision of the love of God through Christ Jesus, your Savior? Can people follow you? And I pray, and, and largely, family of God, I've I, I shared with you before, I'm so blessed to be your pastor, because what I see is largely an answer of yes. Uh, it, it just boggles my mind at times as I travel around the mountain, not just here in Running Springs, but really all over the mountain, and hear of the marvelous leading of the Spirit that occurs in your lives, and you pass these things along to the people that you live near and your own families. But I think each of us, in our own way, have areas that maybe God would speak to us and say, you know, we can work a little bit in that area. Maybe there's something that you've held in your heart that God just simply wants to speak to, not out of anger, not out of displeasure, but just because he's a good God and he wants to give good gifts and he would love to use you, he'd love to use me, he'd love to use us in even a greater way. 
so that the world might know exactly how much he loves them. Amen? Would you pray with me? Precious Father, we, we just thank you, Lord, that you've given us such an amazing example. Lord, your word being alive in us. Lord, we thank you for the examples of Paul and the apostles. We thank you for the examples of those who have mentored us in our walks with the Lord, those who have been an example uh, to us. Lord, I thank you for Pastor Chuck and Brian, Steve Mays and Jack Hibbs, these guys that, Lord, have invested in my life. And, Lord, I'm sure each of us in our own way can echo some names. And, Lord, so we say thank you to those people who have been used of you to model you. And we pray that you would bless them. And as we ask you to bless them, we ask you to transform us. Lord, help it to be said of us as your people, that people could follow us. They could look at our manner of living, our words, the way we conduct ourselves on this earth, and that in following us, they would follow you. And so, God, as we study this morning, would you bless us? We commit your word into your hands to impart it now to us. We thank you, we praise you, we bless you. We ask these things in the precious name of our Savior Jesus. Amen. Let's look first here at verse 10. Second Timothy chapter 3. Speaking Paul now to Timothy says, But you have carefully followed my doctrine. And the moment he says that, what he's really saying is, the way he lives out those things, which we would find now contained principally in God's word, but those things which were spoken of by the Old Testament prophets, those things which were spoken of by the apostles, lived out by the early church found in the book of Acts, those things which clearly are shown to us time and time again that would dictate godly living that is approved by the Lord himself. And he goes on to say manner of life. That's an interesting phrase, and you should probably underline it, because I think it's one of those things that we sometimes miss, because I don't know about you, but at times I've got right theology, and I've got good doctrine. I have the capability to understand what Scripture says, and I can probably talk to you at some length about most things doctrinally. But my problem is the manner of living part. My, my problem is the application, if you will, of right doctrine. It's, am I peaceable and kind? Am I gentle? Am I, as it best lies with me, living at peace with all men? You see, my manner of living is usually the tough part. But you know what? That really is the part that most people look at. Very often, they don't really care so much what you say, but what you do, how you live. What does your life look like from the outside? How do other people's view your manner of living, mine, manner of life? The next word is also an interesting word, and it says purpose. It could be also translated, and probably better so for at least understanding, motivation. What's your motivation? Because you know a lot of people live somewhat holy lives for the wrong motivation. Oh, they're in church and doing seemingly godly things, but 
Maybe they're doing those things because of what they think they can get from God. Or maybe they want people to think well of them. And so when they're in public, their purpose, at least, their motivation seems to be godly. But is it truly so? How about faith? You see, is your manner of living, is your doctrine a doctrine and a manner of living of faith? Or are you just simply gifted in certain areas? For so much of my Christian experience early on in life, I was just gifted. I didn't live by faith. I lived by the power of flesh. I was good at a lot of things. And so people would look at, look at those things and they would go, wow, if that's what it means to be a Christian, then, you know, he's really good. It's calling into question not just what we do, but why we do it. Long-suffering. I truly do at times despise that word. <laughs> do you suffer long while being kind? That First Corinthians love. Do you suffer long while being kind? You see, because some people suffer long, but they're obnoxious while they do it. I'm just suffering. I can't believe she said that again. He said that again. Did that again. I'm just suffering. I keep on suffering for God. Are you truly long-suffering the way God is long-suffering? Think about yourself for a moment. Has not God suffered long with you and with me? Taken your weaknesses, your faults, your failures... Completely in stride as he's ministered his love and his mercy and his grace in your life? Can someone follow your manner of living and your doctrine in these areas? Can it be said of you that at the end of every day people would know that you truly actually are suffering long? And of course the rest of these things, love, should be instantaneous in the body of Christ. We're so reminded throughout the New Testament that there's nothing that really marks us greater than sacrificial love, that undying love that Jesus showed us as we saw this morning as we partook of communion on the cross. That was love that asked nothing in return. Can people follow your love? Is your love that kind of love? Is it agape love? I know for me a lot of my life my love was not agape love. My love was very conditional. Matter of fact, my love was exclusive. It was, a, it was a club. You were either in my love club or out, and most people were out. A few people who met my criteria received my love. Used that as a method of protection for myself, I felt. How many people are like that? How many people love conditionally? when we have been loved by the Lord unconditionally. Can people follow your love? Perseverance. Another word I'm not horribly fond of. (laughs) Perseverance is being long-suffering repetitively and loving repetitively 
And as you do these things of faith, you do them repetitively. And there is no end to the amount of times that you will do those things. And I always am reminded of the end of Matthew chapter 18 in the issue of forgiveness. You forgive repetitively. That's what it means to persevere. It means to take these things regardless of consequences and situations. No matter what you yourself receive from it, you will do it till the day you die. Because it's right doctrine. Because it's right living. You you see, we can love someone temporarily, can't we? But when the going gets tough, it's easy to abandon that love. It's, well, you know, I was okay until they did that. Are you willing to be a model in that area of perseverance? And then the ones we really don't like. Persecution. Now it goes to the flip side, the negative side of persevering. You might actually suffer for persevering. You might actually suffer for loving. You you might actually suffer for having a manner of life that's godly. You might suffer because you carry in your heart and your mind right doctrine. You may actually have problems in your life because and directly because you are living for Jesus. Now, we don't like that. You mean it's not all going to be perfect? Dear brothers and sisters, when I... When I teach especially young pastors, and I'm doing discipleship with them. I remind them that things will undoubtedly get worse in some areas of their life the moment they begin to serve the Lord. If you're doing anything for the Lord, there will be times that you will be persecuted, times that you will suffer, things you will do without, There are troubles that will come into your life that are the direct result of you loving the Lord and following after the Lord and walking in a pattern that can be modeled. Because you know what? When that person's mean to you, you're going to have to be kind to them. And you know what? You don't like that, do you? There in the back of your mind, you just go, man, I'd like to just tear into them. You know, they said that about me and as parents, you know, when people talk bad about your children, I know as a dad, I'm like, you can say anything you want about me. You can talk bad about everything I have and everything I do, but don't go after my family. Don't talk about my children and especially don't talk about my wife because I'll kill you. That's what goes on there in the back of your head as a husband, right? But you have to patiently wait on the Lord to resolve that issue and recognize that that person needs a touch from Jesus, not a touch from your fist to their nose. Amen? You see, when you look at this verse, this one verse, from the perspective of can someone follow you, it all of a sudden becomes a tad more difficult than at first glance. Amen? Because following implies several things. And so if you would allow me, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1, an added bonus for you this morning. Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. 
That is one of those verses that, that every Bible should have underlined. Because really that's the goal. If you are a Christian, a Christian symbol simply means to be a little Christ, a small Christ, a picture of Christ, one who is Christ-like, someone about whom could be said, if you saw them, you see the Lord. If you were to talk to them, you would be talking to Jesus. If they came to your house, you'd get a visit from Jesus. In the financial areas of their home, you would see godly stewardship. You see, it goes into every area and aspect of your life. To imitate, we say, is the sincerest form of flattery. Amen? You know, if you happen to be a Hollywood star and you're with us this morning, I don't see any. But if you're here and we just simply haven't known your greatness yet... Uh, As soon as people begin to mock you and imitate you on late night talk shows, you have arrived. You know, all of a sudden people are doing your voice on TV. And to imitate is that form of flattery. And it's especially true in our spiritual walks. Because for us, we imitate the Lord. And for others, if they could imitate us as we imitate the Lord, then who are they imitating? They're imitating the Lord, are they not? It's actually very simple. And so we are to be able to be followed. And as I shared a few Wednesday nights ago, and I think it bears repeating, that leading and following go hand in hand, do they not? You you see, if you are a good follower, because I first need to be a good disciple if I'm going to be a good leader. If I want you to follow me, I first have to follow the Lord. Amen? It's impossible to separate these things out. You see, I think sometimes people get the wrong impression of following and of leading. Because, well, I'm studying to be a leader. Do you realize that Scripture says if you want to be a leader in the body of Christ, you need to be the least? You need to become the servant of all? Most importantly, you need to be exactly like the Lord Jesus, and in order to do that, you need to follow Him. So all of us are first followers. And so what Paul is really saying here is, as I follow Christ and you follow me, you're following Christ. Can that be said about you? And to be a good follower, and I shared this on Wednesday night, you can get the CD. It's it's our series on leadership. But that acronym, if you break follow down, it's to to fear, it's to observe, it's to listen, it's to learn, it's to obey, and it's to walk with the Lord. You see, if I'm going to follow, there's a lot of learning I need to do before I follow. Let me help you understand this. The word follow also is a word that we could translate model. To put it into our modern context, it would be to follow the blueprints It would be to take the model that you've been given and follow the the recipe, follow the sewing pattern, take the diagram and repeat it over and over and over and over again. My my dad, also one of those guys that's a little bit touched with regard to building things in the aircraft industry for over 40 years. One of the things that he was in charge of was designing parts for F-15s, F-16s, Tomahawk cruise missiles, things like that. I can tell you one thing. 
they spent most of their time developing prototypes and models and refining those. They did not go build one and then immediately begin to pattern all of the parts after the one part that initially got built. They refined it, drafted it, built prototypes, took them apart, and eventually they'd come up with the last and final part, and from that... A computer-aided design would be made that would be fed into a gigantic milling machine, and that milling machine would make these intricate parts. Can people say of you that they could follow you in that way, that they could literally take the very tiniest of details down to the hundreds of thousandths of an inch of your life? And if someone patterned you directly would they come out looking like Jesus, talking like Jesus, acting like Jesus? That's what's in view here. But you see, in order to do that, that model has to be followed exactly. And as you follow that model, and as you undergo that scrutiny, you know, now if you, you, know, if you happen to have the Discovery Channel and you can watch how it's made and you know, you sit there and you realize some of the amazing things that we can now do. Uh, it, it, it's staggering. I went down to my dentist a number of months ago, and as I was sitting there in the dentist's office, I'm looking over at this machine that they now have in there. Do you realize they can now take videos of your teeth and then make a computer-aided model of your entire jaw, every tooth in your mouth, and they have a machine that actually makes dental implants while you wait. It actually, computer fabricates a tooth while you're sitting there. It's like, and all of a sudden it spits out, oh, here's your new molar. But you know what has to happen first? You've got to have the model. I just can't, you know... Well, let's give them an A4. You know, it comes out and it's like some monkey tooth or something. It's got to be your tooth. You have to first model Jesus in order to be a good model of Jesus. Amen? Then you're ready to lead. And again, that acronym to, to love and to equip and to hold people accountable and to discipline them and disciple them, to lead them means that you have followed first and when you lead them, you lead them in following. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's a very simple process. It's not as complex as people make it out. And here's the tool you use. These are the plans. This is the CAD model of a life lived in Christ Jesus, right here. You see, all these pages that you have in your lap, each one of them results in something happening to your life. E each thing that is discussed in the pages of Scripture will take some fine milling machine of your life and it will scrape off just a little more of the old you. And it will shape you and mold you and fashion you into the incorruptible image of Christ Jesus as Lord. But you know what? That's a kind of violent process at times, isn't it? Because some of that junk runs kind of deep. Uh, I was watching this thing on how it's made and they were building uh, turbochargers. And I'm sitting there going, this looks barbaric. 
they they poured this molten metal into this block, and it was just like, you know, it didn't even look, how are you going to get a precision turbocharger out of that? And it comes out, and it's all, it's horrible, and they throw it in this vat, and they dip it in acid, and before you know it, like 50 stages later, here's this awesome turbocharger that will boost your horsepower by 40%. I'm thinking, thank you, Jesus. But that's us. You see, you can't be turbocharged until you've been in the furnace. You can't be turbocharged until you've been in the furnace. You're you're not going to be a race car. You may be more like a wagon initially. You kind of need to go through the process. You, You see, that's why we're not to so quickly lay hands on a novice and bring them into ministry because they're kind of still a wagon as a novice. And you really don't want them following after all those you know, those things, there may be a tremendous amount of zeal, but not a lot of wisdom. Maybe they need some knowledge. You see, as we grow in Christ, the, the picture of the Lord grows in its intensity that other people will see. That's why those senior saints that, that you just watch their manner of living over decades. I remember talking to, to Pastor Chuck a couple of years ago, and we were just talking to him, because, you know, there's, there's a point in time when I, I believe email is actually from the devil. Be delivered. And I'm, I'm, going, through, I'm going through my email, and it's just like, I got all these, you know, and some of them are really nice, and oh, thank you, Pastor Jeff, and, and you get down there, and it's like, you were from the pit of hell. And you sit there and you, you think about some of these things and, and then you realize that a lot of those things are from baby Christians. They're from people who haven't walked with the Lord for very long. And, and you realize that that's part of the thing that you're trying to do. It's real easy to respond back to some of those emails. Dear Rotten Jerk, <laughs> if you had half a brain, which you don't, you know, in your flesh, you're thinking through these things. You're going, I, that's not a model of Jesus. Jesus would never talk to them that way. Now, I used to respond that way. Not so much to email, usually in person. But, but you, you see, in your flesh, without the work of the Spirit and without lots of refining... And people don't quite get the whole picture of who the Lord is. And He wants people to get the whole picture. And so let's look a little deeper here. And so together it says that you carefully followed my manner of doctrine, uh, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering. You can put my in front or yours. Put your name in there. Make it first person, personal. Can someone say that of you? Love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me. Notice this, and this is recorded, of course, in the book of Acts very thoroughly. Antioch at Iconium and at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. And yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue, notice this verse 14, but you must continue in the things which you have learned, been assured of, knowing from whom you've learned them, 
you, you see, the secret behind that is, yes, Paul modeled them, but where did he get them? He got them from the Lord. And so he goes on, and that from childhood you have noticed this, the context, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And I can tell you right now, we are not getting through the whole chapter. So you see what Paul is beginning to unveil before us is that if we're going to be leaders, if we're going to be followed, there are some things that should be true. The first thing that should be true is that our lives ought to be an open book. Your life ought to be an open book. People should be able to turn to any page. I'm always amazed, and you know, quite frequently, I don't know about you, do you ever get the magazine subscriptions that just show up? You don't even know that you ordered the magazine, and all of a sudden it comes in your mailbox, and you're like, oh, no. You know, somebody does you a favor, and they order you like they did in my case, Esquire magazine. I'm like, no. I throw, you know, it goes, it goes from my mailbox to the trash, and I've sent them like three notices. I did not order this. Please stop sending it. So I get two copies the next month. And it's like from hell. Demons ordered it online, I think. But you know, every once in a while you'll get, you'll get some kind of, you know, you'll be sitting in a doctor's office or you'll, you'll pick up a magazine. And every once in a while, just to kind of see where things are in the world, I'll pick up something like People magazine and all two pages. I'm like, nope, not going to read that, not going to read that. Is your life an open book? You see, because when you look at the cover, you go, ah, you know, that's okay. I could probably, that's probably going to be all right. How about every page? You see, that's, that's the picture. Is your life an open book? Can people turn to any page of your life and go, there's Jesus? What secret thing have I said? John was talking about there in John 18. Just like his master, I haven't said anything in secret. My life's an open book. You can look at any part of it. Paul in Acts chapter 6, as he was speaking to, to Agrippa, he said, My manner of life from my youth is known by all the Jews. You could open it to any page, any chapter, there's Jesus. You see, Paul could say that. Can you say that? Can I say that? The second thing, is your life a display of pure or true doctrine. In other words, is your life a display of the pure word of God? Not your personal spin, not what you'd like it to say. You know, my, my favorite phrase used to be righteous indignation. I have righteous indignation. Then I realized that the translation for that was Jeff's flesh. It wasn't righteous indignation. I was just indignant, mad, upset about something, and I usually tried to find some passage in Scripture that defined why I was like that, out of context. I was good at it. But is your life filled with true doctrine? Is your life and doctrine, your manner of living, 
a, a beautiful picture of the Word of God lived out? That's a lot harder, isn't it? Can I say to you, I think this is an area that all of us, myself included, can use some extra effort? You see, because there's passages in here I don't like. There's passages I get to those passages and I get out the Evelyn Wood speed reading thing. Whew, got past that. Is that love and the unlovable? I'm just, that's just not my gig. We say things like that in our hearts, don't we? We may not say them in public. We may not say them in person. But in our hearts, no, I'm not going to love them. I'm not going to be nice to them. After all, they're mean to me. Do good to those who persecute you. That's for wimps. You ever thought that one, guys? <laughs> Ladies, you're going to hate me for this. Got to give equal time. You know that friend that gossips about you? Can you say something nice about her? Ow. You, you, you see, each of us, each of us, guys, you tell the truth even when the truth may not get you the job? You see, each of us can do a better job of making sure that our doctrine and our manner of living match up to the Word of God. Third thing that you could draw from this passage, these are all found in verse 10, by the way. Do you practice what you preach? I hate that one. Manner of life. You see, we we don't preach sacrifice and live in luxury. We, we don't preach moderation and, and live in extremity. We, we don't teach and preach one way and then live another. Amen? They, they have to match up. Does your word and your walk equal the same thing? I personally don't believe that there's anything in this world that keeps more people from coming to Jesus than Christians who don't act like them. That's my personal opinion. I think there are more people that are steered away from Christ by the living of supposed Christians than probably anything else. They live next door to that supposed Christian. Oh, there's bumper stickers. There's door plaques. They say, God bless you, brother. But then about 10 o'clock at night, the screaming and yelling starts. And the ambulance and the sheriff shows up. You, You see, do you practice what you preach? Do you live out loud? A life that's doctrinally correct. Paul stood up for the truth even if it meant losing friends. Paul understood that to be someone who spoke for the Lord didn't make him a celebrity but probably a target. I think we've gotten the wrong opinion sometimes of what it means to really walk with Jesus. It means to practice what you preach. 
it seems like the Lord has to remind me of that frequently and often. You know, I talk how the Lord's worked compassion in my life, and boy, I'll just start to veer a little bit into some discompassionate thing, and before you know it, stomach flu is my friend. It's like, all right, Lord, I get it again. The fourth thing, notice the purpose here, is to glorify God. Faith glorifies God. Long-suffering glorifies God. Love, which is uh, the Greek word here, is actually charity. It, It means kindness to those who may not deserve it. Undeserved kindness. Those things glorify God. You don't get any glory for them. God gets the glory for them. You see, for you and for me, these, these things get downright personal, don't they? They kind of fly in the face of our modern society. It's easy to do things when you're going to get the glory for them. Anybody else, you know, when you see those, those silly, foolish people in the background of, of interviews and they're back there waving and, you know, their hands are up in the air and, they're interviewing somebody on television. They know their faces in the camera. They're back there. It's like, look at me, look at me. Truth be told, we're all kind of like that, aren't we? Kind of all of us want our picture on the front page of the paper. Or the, Lord, I'm smarter than that person. Lord, I have more hair than that person. I, I have gifts that... They only wish they had. Now my purpose is to glorify God. Can I share with you sometimes God is most glorified in us when we're broken and humbled and maybe even less than our best but still loving and serving? I I got a little thing that happened when I was down in Brazil a month or so ago and you know, I, we always think about, you know, poor pitiful us. But I was sitting out in the front of the facility that we were at just talking to a bunch of pastors. And I saw one of the guys that I know from down there in the pastors at church, Pastor Celso, and he came walking by and, you know, he was carrying a suitcase. And, and all of a sudden I, you know, I realized something was wrong. He had walked two miles to go get somebody else's suitcase because their car had broken down. He was actually heading up the conference. He didn't tell anybody about it, didn't get any glory for it. He, he, he just knew that God had told him to go help that person. Are you willing to go the extra mile when nobody's going to know about it? Paul's purpose was to live a life of faith, not fame. Long-suffering, not ease. Love, not rightness. It's easy to live in rightness. How about endurance? So you see, these things all glorify God. Matter of fact, the world says if you endure things over and over again, you're just not too smart. You know, you just haven't figured out the way to get around it yet. 
Maybe your brain's not working too good. My Bible says that true love is born out in endurance, perseverance, continuance, and things that are sometimes hard. And I want to encourage you, family of God, as you look at this, if we just took verse 10 this morning, you, could, you can easily see how being a better model than we currently are is something that each of us can strive towards. I have a, I have a couple of, of friends who have children who are models, and I mean models as in Milan fashion models. Do you realize that most of the time that those ladies spend anywhere between one and four hours being airbrushed before they go out on the runway? Literally. Spray painted. Blemishes taken out. You know, it's got to be totally perfect. It's crazy. All to sell some ridiculously overpriced garment. Do you realize you're offering the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to the world? How much time do you take getting ready to do that? How much time do you spend making sure that the model that you are of Jesus is as good as it can be? This is a challenge for each of us this morning. How much time do you invest in looking like and acting like and speaking like and enduring like Jesus? More importantly, verses 12, 11 and 12, something else we can glean. Are you willing to suffer for it? I was talking one time to this young lady, and she was telling me what, what those models in Milan and Paris get paid. Very frequently, it exceeds thousands of dollars an hour. You just go out and wear some dress and walk down and... Here's your check for ten grand. You see, there's no pay on this earth. None. None. Your reward's in heaven. Matter of fact, you're going to probably go out on the runway. More than likely, you're going to trip over your heels. Guys, if I see you wearing heels, you're dead. You're going to trip over your heels. You're, you're going to have some fashion faux pas on the runway of life. You're, you're going to plunge nose first. And it isn't going to look pretty. But when you get back up, you shake yourself off. And say, you know what? I'm just going to keep walking for Jesus anyway. I want people to know about the Lord anyway. And I, I know I have my faults and my weaknesses, but I want people to desperately, I, I want them to know who my Savior is so that they can know Him too. You see, because as you follow, you can lead. And as you lead, people will follow. It's this beautiful chain of us just picking up our Bibles and living as best as we can for the glory and the honor of the Lord. And in doing so, you're not going to have the world's fame. You're not going to possess the things that the world holds dear. In fact, you'll probably have to give some of those things up at times. Chances are you won't write any best-selling books. Chances are when you die, your obituary is going to be rather short. 
but your name will be listed in the Lamb's Book of Life, and that's the one that matters. You'll bring a smile to the face of the Lord. You'll have a party in heaven waiting for you. You'll be there at the marriage supper of the Lamb, sitting down with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to His glory. You see, you may not have everything while you're here, but if you follow Him, and others follow you as you follow Him, you're leading other people to heaven. You're doing all you can for the only thing that matters while you're here on this earth. You know, people might be able to look at maybe your financial status and go, boy, I sure wish I had that thing or maybe that gift or that stewardship principle or whatever. Maybe some people could look at your your career or whatever. Boy, I wish it was like that. But there's something that each one of you can do that is eternal. And it bears fruit for all eternity. And that's as you follow Him that others could model you. And as they do so, the world has no excuse for not seeing Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Oh, precious Father God, we we do cry out, Abba, Father. We recognize that you love us so much that you've adopted us into your family. Lord, that you adore us so much that you've called us the sons and the daughters of God. That you literally smile when our lives are right with you. Lord, that we bring you joy that you delight to hear our prayers. Lord, so many things about you we know, and so much we don't. But Lord, we pray that as we live our lives on this earth, that we would be as great a model as we possibly can for your kingdom. Lord, that the pattern of our lives, the architectural drawings of our lives, could be examined. The book of our lives could be open to any page. That, Father God, the detail of, of the model that we are could be followed implicitly to produce the image of Jesus in someone else. We thank you, Lord, for this morning. Just your great love for us, Lord. To think that you love us boggles our minds. But we know it's true. Jesus, as you hung on Calvary's cross, it was you telling us how much you love us. So we know that we have a plan and a purpose that's in you, and we pray that you'd help each of us to fulfill it. Bless us as your people, we pray. We ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and worship our King. Amen. Blessed.